Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. So five stories, one point. Here's the point. You ready? You're going to write it down? Turn to the person next to you and say, write this down for me. Write this down for me. Okay, write this down for me. Get your phone out. Get your iPad, smartphone, dumb phone, whatever you have. Write this thing down. I just want you to write down one phrase, and I want this in our self-talk this week, and, and, and I'll unpack this as we get through these five little s- stories. And it's, I am right now. I am right now. Everybody say it with me. I am right now. Ready? I am. Say it again. I am right now. Pastor Rod and he were great, great friends, and Pastor Rod very instrumental in helping us write a curriculum around my father's books that now in over 100 countries around the world, approximately a million men every month are being mentored on what it is to be a real man. You say amen? And that, and that to be a mature man, it doesn't come with age, it comes with the acceptance of responsibility. Amen? And so I hear the ladies going, amen. Because you see, when the men change, everything changes. You see, the issues we deal with in our culture today are father issues. If you would, much of what we deal with in our culture is a fatherless issue. In fact, the the Bible says the world's crying out to God. They're looking for a father. And so the ministry that the Lord's made me, uh, uh, put me into being a steward of is a ministry that following the legacy of my father for 39 years now, this ministry's been impactful, and Pastor Rod was and Julie were such a great part of that, and great friends, and we love them dearly. And so I bring you greetings from my uh, spectacular wife Judy, and uh, amazing. Spe- is this being taped? Are we taping? Are we? You're recording this. Okay, hang on, hang on. I want to bring you greetings from my friends and Christian News Network around the world, and from my family, children, grandchildren. And for my amazing, spectacular wife, Judy, who God dropped from heaven into my life, my love, my dove, my everything. The one who God said, that man should not be alone. He said, I have someone perfect for him. Boom, a flash of light came from heaven. And there came the glorious one, the beautiful wife, Judy. You get that? You got that? All right, all right, good. I just need that on a flash drive, you know, just, I take that home and say, hey, baby, I was talking about you. Come on, what that's called is wisdom. Turn to somebody and say, that's called wisdom. How many of you know some men need some wisdom? Amen. That's the ladies again. And uh, so our ministry focuses on mentoring men. We're a human justice mission focused on defeating fatherlessness and ending child abuse. Can somebody say amen? We believe that every child deserves a loving dad. You say amen. And I believe that as the fathers of the world would change, the world will change. I'll give you one story. Indonesia, we've had over about 800,000 men go through the materials over the last seven years being mentored and discipled within the matrix of the local church there in Indonesia. Out of there now, they've gone to other nations. We'll be in Vietnam in October uh, and, and we deal with pastors and churches and 
And we believe that discipleship and mentoring happens within the matrix of the local church. We believe, don't be disconnected. You ever see those, uh, those videos from, from Africa or something? You see the herd and animals, and all of a sudden there's like a predator lion comes along. And, and which one do they get? The one that wasn't in the herd. Turn to somebody and say, don't get separated from the herd. Amen? So, so in Indonesia, this, uh, this brother, he had gone through the materials, been mentored, learned to accept responsibility for himself and his family, learned to accept responsibility for who he was. He was a husband. He had a, a little girl. And one day, this happened approximately eight years ago, eight years ago in their little island where they lived in Indonesia. Jihadists came on a Sunday morning just like this set the church on fire. He was away working. His wife and daughter were in the crowd, set on fire. As people ran for their lives, they began to cut them. And then they captured a number of them and took them as hostages. The man heard about it, came back. His wife and his little girl were not there. They weren't deceased, but they'd been taken as hostages. It took about six months before they could find out where they'd been taken. It took another six months to try to get the army to interfere. It was too dangerous. And another six months went by. Now, 18 months later, some clerics and pastors went together and ransomed, paid a ransom to get them back. And that day that that boat came into their island and everybody was there and it was a happy day, this brother looked down and didn't see his wife, didn't see his daughter began to run around. Where are they? And one of the men came up to him. I've got a picture. I should have given you the picture. My, my fault. I've got a picture of this family. And, he, and one of the men came up to him and said, Brother, I need, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you that your wife is not here because the 18 months she was there, she became the sex slave to the head of the jihadists. And she had a baby. And so rather than bring shame to you and dishonor to your name, she's dropped off at her father's village. They're going to take care of the baby. She, they're going to be okay. And you're, she said for you to go on, live your life, she didn't want to bring dishonor to you. He said, no, you don't understand. He said, I found out what it is to be a man of God and to be a real man and to be a father and accept responsibility for my family and, and to be a real man, to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. And he took off and he went to that village and he started yelling her name because he didn't know what house it was. And people started coming out because they knew the story. And he finally yelled, and the father came to the front door of the little hut, said, no, you need to go on. We'll take care of her. It's my daughter. He said, no, you don't understand. He walked up and began to shout her name. And the father said, no, you need to go back. And she came to the door, and she was holding this little baby. And he grabbed the baby, and all the people have come around, and they're all thinking, oh, He's about to kill the baby, bring honor back to his name. And he grabbed that little baby, and he held that child, and he said, you're my wife, and this is my child. And he said, we're going to be a family. And he took his little girl and brought him to his side. And that happened approximately eight years ago. The story became so large that, that the jihadists wanted to come kill him because so many people were coming to Christ, understanding what it was to have a real father. You see, God says, Jesus said this, and this is part of story two. Jesus said to pray this way, our what? Our what? 
Padre nosotros, right? Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven. He said, pray this way. Now, God's neither male nor female, but in fact encompasses all that is male and female. God's a spirit. But he gave us a picture, right? Something in our self-talk that as we think about God and talk about God, identify ourselves with him, we can look at him as our what? Our Father. And when people heard about that and begin to realize that that God wasn't somewhere out there, that he actually could be intimate and personal, that when God created everything that exists, he spoke a, bur- a word, but when he created mankind, he used his hands. Because we were made to be intimate with God, be close, and he breathed life into us. And that breath of God that he breathed into Adam is the same thing that happens to every little boy and girl that's held in the arms of their father. You see, because the core of a man is formed in the breath of his father. When a little girl, a little boy, is held by their father, in fact, it's now been proven, actually biologically, that the essence, if you will, of a biological father holding their child actually changes the core of that person. Physically. Mentally. The studies, University of Pennsylvania, four years ago, came out with it. There's a whole bunch of stuff with it. It's amazing. And as that child's held and, and senses masculinity and feels the stubble of the beard and feels that strength and smells the fragrance of masculinity and all of that that's there, at that point there's something that happens and forms in the center of us that helps us navigate our identity within the chaos of this world. And for most of us not having that, we're looking for that center. So most men, because they don't have a true north, don't exactly know then how to father. So when we mentor men, I tell them, here's the most important thing you could do for your children. Hug them. Come on, somebody. Turn to someone and say, man, that's true. Just turn to someone and say, that's true. And God's used that story to lead many people to Christ. God is our, what? Our... Father. It's an amazing thing that God will use a picture of something that for most of us means somebody who bailed or somebody who was dysfunctional or somebody who was more involved in their stuff or somebody who was broken. And that picture would be the picture he would want for us. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, really, when you think about it. And for many of us, that filter of Father and how we humanize God tends to redefine God for us. How many of us have thought of God? How many of us, really, seriously? Before you really came to a fullness in Christ, and maybe many of us still have this picture, that God's this old guy with long white hair up in heaven with a big stick going, nope, did that wrong. Poof. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm saying? Right? Nope, 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 messed up there. Boom. And we have that tendency to put that onto God and look at our lives based on the performance rather than his love and his grace. I want to write this down. I want to read you from the Amplified, or as we call it in our household, the Rod Anderson version of the Bible. I want to read Hebrews 13.5, second part. Are you with me? Everybody with me? You good? Turn to someone right now and just tell them this is good so far. It's good so far. It's been good so far. Watch this. It says, for he, God himself, has said. Now, who wrote this? 
Who wrote this? This is not a trick question. I don't do Rod Anderson stuff. This is not a trick question. God wrote this, right? Inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Hebrews 13.5, For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not, in any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Boom! Come on, somebody. That is awesome. I will not ever leave you helpless. I will never forsake you. I will never let you down. So when we pray our Father, that's who it is. Oh, look at you. That's awesome. So it's part two. You see that where it says, for he God himself has said, never let you down, never let you leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not, which is a, the reason it says it three times is because in, in those days, if you said something three times in front of witnesses, shook hands, sign of covenant, three times meant it's a legally binding covenant. So God used a word here that's only used two times in the New Covenant, or the New Testament as we call it, only used two times. It is a legally binding covenant between you and God when he says, I will never leave you. Can somebody say amen? And then God said, my word, my name is only good because my word is good. So I, I, I take my word and put it above my name. So the reason we trust God is he's never failed to keep his word. Right? That's why integrity for a man or a father is so important. Because your word is your bond. Your word is your definition of who you are. And when you keep your word, people can trust you. Trust is extended to the limit of truth and no further. So men, we need to keep our word. And when you don't keep your word, pretty soon your wife doesn't want any more of your word. And if your name is only as good as your word and your word's no good, after a while they don't want your name. Amen. Turn to someone and say, this is good for the men. They needed to hear this. Just tell them, this is really good for the guys. Manuel needed to hear this. Mike needed to hear this. Come on, somebody. Watch this. So my issue then, because here's what a father provides. A father provides, write this down. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you still taking notes for me? Write this down. A father provides love, acceptance, value, intimacy, security, and discipline. Show me an undisciplined child, I'll show you an unloved child. Discipline is, always comes from love. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.15, write it down, 1 Corinthians 4.15, he says, you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but not many fathers. There's a lot to unpack. It's sort of like, the reason I love Rod Anderson, because there's so much depth, I just sit with him. It's like, I've got a couple people in my life I'll just sit with and I'll ask questions. And You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just, so I'll sit, uh, yesterday, uh, we were sitting in a restaurant, because and, and, I just wanted time. I wanted to be able to ask questions, and I got my phone ready to write stuff down. And, and so I asked one question, and as Rod does, he looked at me for a moment, and he said, it would take me too long to answer that. <laughs> which, which my filter said, if I took the time, you wouldn't understand it. 
All right. I thought that was hilarious. All right. No, he, it was, everybody's going, wow, that was harsh, Pastor Rod. But he did give me a little snippet. There was a, he gave me a little part. I wrote some of that stuff down. So, so here it is, 1 Corinthians 4.15. You have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. And let me give you the key. An instructor tells you what he knows, but a father gives you who he is. An instructor gives you what he knows, but a father gives you who he is. That's why we have the heart of God. We don't just know about God. We are known by Him and we know Him. Intimacy. So my issue then, Matthew 27, 46, at the cross, here was my issue as I grew up is that how could I trust God to hang with me in the middle of chaos if in the middle of his son's worst moment he bailed on him? All right? I can't unpack the whole thing. It's, in fact, it's in a message called uh, our, our, God is Our Father. You can get that online. But Matthew 27, 46, Jesus is on the cross, and it says he cries out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, back to Saktani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Everybody know? Everybody know that scripture? Have you heard that story, saw the movie? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I was taught my entire life that at that moment, God turned away from his kid. I'm thinking, well, what kind of dad does that? I mean, can you just get real with me? So I looked at that for years. I thought, this is, so if I do something wrong, I mean, how many of us went to one of those churches that by the time you were about 15 years old, you figured you had done the unpardonable sin? Come on, somebody, get real, right? It's like, unpardonable sin? Nobody knows what it is, but I know I probably already did it. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I know what that's about. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, the religious thing, unpardonable sin? Well, what is it? Well, nobody really knows. Well, then how do I know when I get there? Oh, you'll know. So by the time I'm 15, I'm like, yeah, shoot, man. I know I already messed up. I might as well just go mess up. And I'm a preacher's kid, so we mess up good. Come on, somebody. And it bothered me, and I began to study that, and I thought, God, how, how, did, how did this work out? And I'm reading through Psalms that I had read over and over, and I read Psalm 22. Turn to it if you've got it there on your phone. (laughs) Turn to Psalm 22. I just want to show you something, and just take a a second to go there. Because this, this bent me up, because it all of a sudden explained to me something that I'd always had a problem with. You see, Jesus did everything, it says, According to the way. In other words, he didn't shortcut anything. When he was growing up, his dad taught him things. Uh, as he's growing up, he did everything the right way. When he's 30 years old, he walks into the temple and stands there as a reader, and they hand him Isaiah 61. So the Spirit of God is on me to set free those who are brokenhearted, right? To set at liberty those who are captives. And he reads it, and then he goes, Hey, y'all, that's me basically what happened in Texas language. And what happens, now think about this, at the age of 30, when he stood there and did that, the scrolls would be read, they would be kept in a jar, they would be read every week by a few men who had been qualified 
to read. He didn't just walk up and go, hey, can I, can I get in here? Four or five men would stand there. They would pass the scrolls to each other. And over an 18-month period, they would read all of the scrolls. They'd read everything to the people. And it would be handed from one person to the next as each one read a paragraph. Didn't have chapters and verses. And they would read part of it. So as Jesus had been qualified, now the way he qualified is that at the age of 25, he would have begun leading the singing. Right? And so in leading the singing in those days, nobody had, they didn't have the overhead. They didn't even have those. Remember transparencies? Remember that? What was that called? What's those things called? The overhead projector, transparency. Yeah, remember that? And, and like, and Mrs. Jones would always pull them upside down and backwards. You remember what I'm talking about? You go, no, 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 it's backwards. She go, oh, excuse me, and turn it. And you go, no, it's upside down and backwards now. You know, remember that? Overhead projectors. And uh, they didn't have all that stuff. And so what they would do is they would sing the first verse of a song, and then everybody joins in, sort of like, Forever he is faithful, forever he is strong. See, and you can just jump in. I think we're all on a different key, but that's my fault. Manuel's going, no, no, it's right here. So you would lead the singing, and what he would do is lead the singing, and when he turns 30, he's now qualified to be a reader. And when he read that, think about this. This is an amazing moment. They hand him the scrolls, as they've been reading week after week, and at the exact right moment, at the exact right place of Scripture, as it's handed to him, he reads that Scripture. He didn't turn to it. It's the timing of God. The the odds are 85 million to one that he would be standing there at that moment. Think about how amazing God is. Think about the timing of God. Think about how things, look back at what God's done in your life. How exquisite His grace is and His timing and how He's intervened and boom, there's Jesus. and Now there He is on the cross. Mom is there. Sister of one of His best friends. A disciple that, who wrote about himself that Jesus loved him more than anybody else. John's there. Maybe a bunch of other people, a number of other followers of Christ. And his mom's there. And Jesus looks down, and out of the compassion of his heart, he sings a song from the book of Psalms, chapter 22, which starts with, am I in heresy yet, or are we okay? Okay, okay. God's <laughs> like, eh, we'll see. Look at this. Verse 1, chapter 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? Come on, somebody. Does that sound familiar? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Now, at that point, as he starts the song, what happens to his mom and everybody else? They start singing the song. So what Jesus did from the cross, now watch this, was not say, hey, where are you at? What he was helping position was everybody else by telling them, listen, This is a song that's happening right here. This is powerful because Psalm 22, which was written 1,500 years before then, just go down real quick. Verse 16, my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. What was happening? 
verse 18. Boom, watch this. Verse 18. Watch this. They part my clothing among them and cast lots for my raiment, a long shirt like a... What was happening at that exact moment? That was happening. That had been written 1,500 years prior, and now all of a sudden there's a revelation on the part of his mom and his friends and everybody else. Wait, 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 wait a minute. This is it. And look at where, look at later on it says, praise the Lord all who fear him. And he says, verse 24, verse 24, go to verse 24. He says, he has not ignored the sufferings of the needy. Look at that. Neither has he hidden his face, but when they cried to him, he heard them. In other words, my thing is, he didn't bail on his son, he was there. He's never bailed on you, he'll never leave you, we can trust him to be there. Can somebody say praise God for that? All right. Here we go. Everybody got that? Story three, Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel's a prophet. He's been anointed by God to speak truth into the lives of the people around him. We have that office in the New Testament church, but in this place, it was actually he would lead the nation through a prophetic word. In Ezekiel in chapter 37, book written about him, he has a vision. And this vision, and some of you have heard it, this vision is a valley of dry bones. Valley of dry bones. And God says to him, look at these bones. He said, can they become living people again? And Ezekiel says to God, he says, you alone know the answer. In other words, he's not presumptuous. He's not taken up by himself. Hey, I know what to do. At that moment, he says, God, you know. I I don't know. They're just bones. And then God said, speak a prophetic word to those bones. Check this out. This is awesome. He says, now, now he didn't say, ask me to speak a word to those bones. He said, now Ezekiel, you speak a prophetic word to those bones. Boom. Chapter uh, 22, verse 7. 37, verse 7. Watch this. So I spoke. Everybody said, I spoke. So I spoke this message, and suddenly as I spoke, everybody say, I spoke. Suddenly as I spoke, the bones began to come back together. This is awesome. All right, so now these, now there's like these bones there. But they don't have any breath. And he's like, God, what do I do? And he says, speak a prophetic word. And speak breath, in other words, my presence, into these dead bodies. Verse 10, so I spoke. Everybody say, I spoke. So he said, I spoke, and breath came into their bodies. Zacharias says it this way. He said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power. In other words, not by your works, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Romans 11 says the Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. So you speak. I'm looking at these bones as dead dreams. I'm looking at these bones as dead relationships. I'm looking at these bones as things you knew you should have been there and something stopped you and there were obstacles and things happened in life and God says, speak to those dead places. Speak life. Don't speak death. Look at this. Story 
four. Watch this. I held up five fingers. Story four. Watch this. So speak life. Genesis 15. This is where Abram's promised uh, a group of people. Abram's promised a legacy. And he says, hey, I want to cut covenant with you. This is one of the messages that Pastor Rod has spoken into me and my family and, and, and the love walk and covenant and what that means. And says, Abram says, if I'm going to have a son, because he had no son, he's an older guy with no legacy, no sons, and God promises him you're going to be a father of a great nation. He says, God, I want to cut covenant with you. Chapter 15 of the book of Genesis, verse 10, so Abram presents all these, cuts each animal down the middle, lays a half side by side, didn't cut the birds in half. Verse 11, so now he's got these animals, a blood sacrifice, we know of the type of the cross, blood covenant. Here's Abram, God, we're going to cut covenant. And it says he got it all laid out, verse 11. Chapter 15 of Genesis. And it says some vultures, birds of prey, swooped down on the carcasses. And then what does it say? What does it say? No, 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 wait a minute. Did you get the right version? What is that? Oh, that's the Amplified. See, I think in the original, I think it says, so Abram knelt down and said, oh God, could you do something about these birds? And so Abram kind of backed off and said, God, I guess that's just the way it is. Oh, well, you know, that's if I had any luck, it would be bad luck. Well, nothing good ever happens to me. Well, I was going to have a nation, but <laughs> the vultures showed up. There goes that thing. Sorry, sir, you're going to have kids. Now we're not. Birds ate the cow. What am I going to do? Is that what he did? What does it say? Come on, what does it say? Who drove them away? Abram drove him away. In other words, Abram stood up and chased the vultures away. And God said through his son Christ in John 14, 12, the same things I've done, my followers will do. In other words, when Jesus spoke to a demonic-filled man and said, be at peace, boom! Demons fleed at his voice, and God said through his son, you'll do the same things. So you stand up. You speak life. You stand up in your situation. You stand up in that neighborhood and speak life into that neighborhood. You stand up and say, no, I'm not going to let the vote. See, anytime you get a promise, the enemy will try to steal it. Abram had a promise. The enemy tried to steal it. Come on, somebody. Turn to somebody and say, this is good for you today. Story five. Story 5, cube manual. Story 5, you ready? Five stories, one point. I am, right now. Come on, somebody. I am, you got it? I am, right now. I am right now. Here we go. Here it is. This is awesome. Yeah, go for it. I love that. Here we go. Now I'm feeling it. This is in the message. Do you have the message version over there? All right, watch this. John chapter 11, verse 21. Don't put it up yet. Let me set the context for the content. 
This is cool. Jesus had a best friend. His name was Lazarus. In fact, he was such a good friend, he said, I'm not going to make you a disciple. Because we're just like, we're going to be buds. In fact, when Jesus left Bethany and, and went to Jerusalem on a donkey, you know, you know that story right there is a crucifixion of the passion of the Christ. And as he left Bethany, he was at Lazarus' house. He used to hang out there all the time. I love the book your friend wrote about uh, Lazarus and Jesus where he was a, where he was a, uh, owned a vineyard. And they would walk and talk to each other. This is an incredible, uh, is it Bodhi? Brock and Bodhi Taney, and they wrote a book. It's beautiful. So Lazarus was, like, they were tight. They were friends. They were like, <clears throat> you, know, you know how you have friends that are close enough that you can just sit down and hang out, have a tea or coffee, and you don't even have to say anything? You just kind of go like, hey, hey. I don't know, maybe that's guys, you know. <laughs> now, for my wife, it's more like, it was awesome. We were there for four hours. Like, four hours? You guys talk about it. She said, I don't know everything. <laughs> you know, it's like Judy says, what are you thinking about? And I go, I don't know, nothing. She goes, that's impossible. Men and women are different. Can you say amen? Thank God. And uh, men have a little box in their brain called nothing. And we go there often. Because we like it there. What are you thinking about? Nothing. <laughs> you know. Anthony, it's good to have you here. We, we had a bite to eat last night, and there were moments, I think we were, we were talking, but I don't think we were talking about anything. You know, we were just talking, just hanging, guys. Uh, and Jesus had this friend named Lazarus, and they were really tight. He had been to their house a number of times. He had two sisters named Martha and Mary. You heard some stories about them? They're a little different from each other, two sisters, but they're Lazarus' sisters. And Lazarus gets really sick. In other words, they know this guy, this is not good. Jesus is about a half day's walk away. So they're like, the sisters are like, oh, this is awesome. We'll just go get Jesus. He'll come. Boom, he's healed. Done. They go tell Jesus. This is, this is amazing. And they tell Jesus, and he says, Lazarus is sick? They go, yeah, yeah, he's real sick. He might die. He goes, okay, cool. No, you don't understand. He's like, sick, sick. He's like, no, no, I got it. The next day, they go, hey, you know, Lazarus is sick. Yeah, yeah, I know. He said half days walk away, and he doesn't show up for four days. And Lazarus dies. Now he's in the grave for three days. And now we pick up the story, because Jesus now is going to show up. So he's walking down the road. He's got his posse with him. They're just kind of cruising, and Martha shows up. Now, she doesn't wait for them to get to the house. She runs out there. How many of you know Martha's a little upset? Come on, have, has anybody ever gone full Martha on something? Come on, be honest. Right? Anybody ever gone full Martha? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, full Martha. And Martha shows up and says, and it's sort of like this. 
Verse 21, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And it's more like this. Master, if you had been here, right? Dust is coming up. <laughs> he wouldn't have died. And then she's like, oh, yeah, this is Messiah. She goes, uh, but I know whatever you ask God, he will give you. And Jesus says, hey, your brother's going to be cool. You're going to be raised up. She's like, verse 24. Verse 24. She says, I know he'll be raised up in the resurrection. Like, duh. You know, I went to synagogue. I know he's going to get raised up. But he's like dead. Now check it out. And he says, Jesus, Jesus said this. You don't have to wait for the end. Come on, somebody. I am. Come on, somebody. I am. What does it say? Read it with me. I am. Come on, read it with me. I am right now. Resurrection and life. Read the whole thing. Let's read it all together. I am right now. Resurrection and life. The one who believes in me. Even though he or she dies, we'll live. Everybody stand up with me right now. I want this in our lives, in our hearts, in our spirits. I am. Come on. I am. What? I am what? I am right now. Not someday later. Not when you, you know, sometimes because we do this thing about who God is and how he's going to thump us. and We're kind of like, you know, hey, I was going to pray about something, but I haven't been so good the last 48 hours. Have you ever do that thing? Anybody ever do that thing and you qualify like, hey, you know, yesterday I was like on the tube, somebody stepped on my foot, and I had a slight little, I didn't say it out loud, but I cursed under my breath. Okay, none of you have ever done that. All right, I understand. And we tend to qualify our actions in order to present ourselves. Somehow we've been so good the last 24 hours, that I know God now could listen to me. And Jesus said, it doesn't matter where you've been, what's going on. Listen, how much faith did Lazarus have to be raised from the dead? Well, at the time, he didn't have any. He was dead. But he had faith ahead of time. In fact, he didn't freak out. He just, he just basically told his sisters, hey, chill. Jesus has got this. We're tight. We're friends. And God said, I have never left you. I will never leave you alone. I will not, I will not, I will not ever relax my grip on you. I've never turned my back on you. No matter where you've been, I've been there. No matter what's going on in your life, I am right now the resurrection of life. And so we speak to dead areas and we speak to situations and we speak to obstacles and we stand up in the power of the Holy Spirit and speak to those places where the enemy has tried to rip off the promise of God and tried to destroy your destiny. And today, right now, when? When? Right now. Not someday when you feel good. Not someday. Hey, listen, I've already decided. I wrote a little thing yesterday. I got up yesterday morning. I do a little exercise every morning. I didn't feel like it. Anybody ever had those moments? I didn't feel like it. I did it anyway. You know why? Because I made the decision a long time ago that I would try to maintain my health for my grandchildren. 
five grandkids. They're awesome. And I want to be around to help input in their lives. So I made a decision 10 years ago that carried me through that moment yesterday when I didn't want to do it. You know what I did? I did it. Why? I didn't want to. I did it anyway. Why? I'd already decided. You see, Romans 5 says, before we ever thought about God, He decided He would adopt us as children. He sent His Son. When we turned our back on Him, He inclined Himself towards us. I am, what? I am right now. Everybody raise a hand up. I want to pray over over some situations in our lives today. I am right now. I am right now. Not just when you get to heaven, right now. In fact, the whole band, come on up. And we're gonna... Let the whole band come on up, guys, if you're still here. Father, we raise our hands just as an act of faith to say, Father, we need you. We raise our hands even though you have already inclined your entire self towards us. And Father, this word, I am right now. In the middle of chaos, I am right now. In the middle of promises being broken, I am right now. In the middle of confusion, I am right now. Father, we speak, I am right now. To the lonely, to the brokenhearted, to the discouraged, to the depressed, to the disappointed, to the issues of life, to the obstacles, Father, of where we desire to go and we haven't gone there yet. Father, we speak life, I am right now. I speak, I am right now into every part of my life. Father, I speak your promise, your word, your ways, your will into every area of my life. Let these bones come alive. I speak life right now. Father, I will not just accept death because the culture tells me, Father, I am not of this world. I'm a citizen of heaven. And I pull on my rights as a citizen of heaven right now. Come on, raise your hands and begin to speak life over relationships Speak life over your family. Speak life over your job. Speak life over provision. Speak life over vision for your life. Speak life over your destiny. Speak life. I am right now. I am right now. Come on. I am right now. We're going to sing a song in a moment. A few moments ago, I think somebody, it may have been Pastor Julie, who said, He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And every time I hear that, I just laugh because God said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob means usurper. Jacob means deceiver. Jacob means brokenness. In fact, Jacob was so messed up, God changed his name to Israel. He said, I'm going to make you a father of a nation, dude, but I don't want them all called... Jacob, we're going to change your name to Israel. Righteousness, goodness. But when he said, here's who I'm the God of, he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and anybody who's broken. Of anybody who's messed up. Of anybody who's ever made a mistake, I'm your God. Of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I love the message where later on Jesus said, he said, are you tired? Are you burned out on religion? He said, come to me and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Come on, let's sing a song with Manuel as we close up this beautiful day together. I am right now. Let's sing, brother. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. 
For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 